Welcome to the Striving from Stillness podcast, where heart-centered entrepreneurs and multi-passionate women can learn how to be productive from a place of peace instead of overwhelm and stress. I'm your host, Anna Pantano, a certified mindfulness instructor and life coach. Every other week, you'll learn a new mindfulness practice to build the strong internal foundation needed to make a positive impact. During the other episodes, I'll share valuable personal growth insights from my 20 years of obsessing over how to create a better life while running a small business. For today's episode, make yourself comfy and get ready to learn another powerful way to uplevel your life so you can thrive, not just survive. Can we really change our lived experience of life or is life simply what it is? This is a question I've asked myself often, and from playing around with this idea for the last several years, I firmly believe the answer is yes. We can most certainly change how we feel about our life, and we can choose how we respond to what is going on around us. These two powerful shifts can make it so life can be good, even when everything seems to be going wrong. The shift is not done by approaching life with a Pollyanna type of view, ignoring or stuffing your feelings, or toughening yourself to the point where you don't let anything shake you. Instead, it comes from taking action to shift your focus and your internal narrative. Now, I want to be clear that I understand sometimes horrible things happen, and sometimes we'll be sad, angry, frustrated, and so on. Giving yourself space to process these emotions, acknowledge them, and feel them is a necessary part of our human experience and important to our continued long-term health. There is a lot of negative impact that can happen to our body if we choose to ignore the challenges that life throws our way. However, it is also not healthy to get stuck there by ruminating or focusing heavily on what is not going right versus the opportunities and blessings available to us. This is a huge topic with many layers, so today we will only focus on one piece of the puzzle. But this one piece is a powerful one and can create big positive change in your life. So I encourage you to listen in. Be open to the possibility that we can influence our experience of life and be willing to give shifting your perspective a chance. For today, we'll be talking about your reticular activating system or RAS along with our brain's natural tendency to have a negativity bias. As we will explore this last bit, keep in mind that our negativity bias is designed specifically with our survival in mind, but not necessarily our happiness. But first, let's dig into the RAS. This is part of your brain that helps you focus. For example, in a busy room, it'll help you hone in on the person or the group you are with, so you can participate in the interaction while ignoring the rest around you. The RAS also helps you find solutions you are looking for. It helps you see solutions that may have been there all along, but until you told your brain, or the RAS, that it was important to you, it was faded into the backdrop of your awareness. The RAS essentially helps you weed out all the quote-unquote noise so you can gather the information you need for whatever you are trying to accomplish. A real-life example that many of us may have experienced can happen when we go to make a major purchase, such as a car. For example, when you get ready to buy a car, say, a silver Toyota Tacoma, you probably have noticed that you start to see silver Toyota Tacomas everywhere. 
It isn't that all of a sudden there are more of them in your town. They were always there. But until you started looking into buying one, you had not signaled to your RAS that they were important to you. This is a very important part of our brain because without it, there is so much information for our brain to process that we would constantly be extremely overwhelmed without it. Another example of the RAS at work is that when we get pregnant or we're struggling to conceive, we seem to see babies and pregnant women everywhere. This is because we have told our brain that having a baby and being pregnant is really important to us. With so much information coming at us all the time, the RAS is a really important part of how we're built. It gives you the ability to tell your brain that you're looking for something, you're trying to find a solution, or that you would like something specific to happen, and so it's scanning your environment, trying to find you what you want. So what does the RAS have to do with changing your experience of the life you have? A lot, actually. The RAS is one of the reasons that gratitude journals work and have gotten so much hype. The more you ask yourself, what am I grateful for? The more your brain will start to notice and look for those things. Typically, the things we start to feel grateful for were already there, but our shift in focus allows us to see them more easily and bring more appreciation into our life. The RAS is also the reason that manifesting and vision boards have gotten so popular. With these types of practices, we are giving our brain the opportunity to witness time and time again what is really important to us. However, if you feel lack or have the internal conversation that what is on your vision board will never happen or is impossible to achieve, then you're essentially giving your brain the task of proving and providing you with evidence of why you're correct. Because the more you focus on what you want or don't want, the easier it is for your brain to say, this is important to the person. I am going to figure out a way to make this a reality for them. Your brain then goes to work at helping you find solutions and opportunities that will make those desires a reality. Henry Ford's quote comes to mind here. Quote, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Unquote. And you are basically telling your RAS to help you make it so. This then begs the question, or the opportunity for reflection, on what do you spend the majority of your time thinking about? Focusing on. What do you spend time replaying in your head? What are the words and feelings you're focusing on? Essentially, what are you spending your time pondering, ruminating on, complaining about? Whatever that is, it is what you're telling your brain to look for. If most of us are really honest with ourselves, the majority of our thoughts tend to be more about what we don't like, not what we're wanting in our life. Many of our conversations are centered around what is not working, who is annoying us, and what is wrong with us. In fact, many connections in our society are made, especially in the workplace, by bonding over mutual dissatisfaction, complaints, or miseries. Now, before you start beating yourself up, there is a very good reason at a biological level why this happens. So take a deep breath if you need one. You are just being human, and your brain is simply trying to help you. See, our brain is wired to have a negativity bias. It is part of our animal brain that was designed to help us survive by making it easier to notice all the dangers. This is and has been a good thing. It is why we're here today, because our animal brain made sure we were very aware of what was not safe for us and what we should avoid. And in today's modern society, where we have access to so much outside information, it can be overwhelming to say the least. It can give us the sense that we are in 
a lot more danger than we really are, or at least really are in the moment. Rick Hansen, who studies the brain and how mindfulness changes it, says that essentially our brain, when it comes to positive experiences, is like a Teflon nonstick pan. They just don't stick. They don't stick unless we do something to strengthen the neural pathways that are responsible for remembering the positive things that happened in our life. In contrast, the negative ones have no problem imprinting on our brain with no real effort on our part. Our brain is wired this way because a long time ago, it was necessary to be on the lookout for anything dangerous or amiss, such as a saber-toothed tiger, because it literally might kill you. But in our relatively safe daily existence, we don't need to be so concerned that at any moment a saber-toothed tiger or something else may jump out to get us. Most of us are in relatively safe environments, yet our negativity bias is still in overdrive because we have access to so much disturbing news. Our brain, or I should say our stress response, does not distinguish much between a perceived threat like we read about in the news and a threat happening in real time to us directly. Negativity bias is one of the reasons news reports focus on more bad things happening in our world than the good, because that is how they get and keep your attention. I say this not to minimize the horrific things that do occur in our society, but to emphasize that if you really want your daily experience to be a more positive one, you must actively take steps to focus on the good. You must choose to shift your focus. So how do we use the RAS to counter our natural tendency to overemphasize the negative and improve how you feel overall? Or how can it help you to see the many opportunities you have available to you? Here is an example on how to use this information to our advantage in our daily life to improve our relationships to our partner and other family members. For most of us, due to our brain's natural negativity bias, our default is to notice what our partner, kids, or even roommate has not done, why we are mad or frustrated with them, or even all the things they do to annoy us. However, just like we start to notice a certain car if we're looking for it, we can also train our brain to start to look for and appreciate the things our partner does. By asking yourself, what can I tell my partner thank you for today? Your RAS will start to scan your environment and have an easier time noticing what they have done instead of what they have not. Now, if you've never done this practice and have a long history of complaining, even if just to yourself, or living in resentment, this will take some practice. The reason it can become easier over time is because we can build and strengthen neural pathways between the RAS and feelings of gratitude. But if this is new to you, or you have a long history of complaining, it will take time to override the automatic response, so patience and repetition is key. This technique can also be done with your kids, coworkers, and really anyone you spend a significant amount of time with. If you have kids, pausing frequently throughout the day to ask yourself, what moment am I grateful for that happened today or this week with my kids can be very helpful. You can strengthen the neural pathways to the positive faster by sharing with a friend or writing it down what positive things you have noticed. Or even better, tell the person you are practicing noticing the positive things about directly. Side note, if you're an avid complainer, and no judgment here, but if you're an avid complainer, sharing gratitude may feel a little weird or uncomfortable at first. It may even catch people by surprise. 
Noticing if it is uncomfortable or feels awkward can be made part of your mindfulness practice by checking in with where you feel uncomfortable in your body as you share it. Notice what narrative comes up for you, and so on. When my husband and I used to move a lot for his military career, there would always be several months where tension was high, especially during our overseas transitions. And yes, I said several months, not just weeks. After the first couple times, we both realized that we needed to be proactive if our marriage was going to survive the many stressful moves that are required when you're part of the military. So we started a practice of telling each other five things we are thankful for before we went to bed during these seasons of our life. In the beginning, I'm not going to lie, this felt awkward and forced. It felt uncomfortable at best, but over time, often in less than a week's time, it became easier more natural, and it helped tremendously to shift us from blaming each other for everything that wasn't going right to learning how to cooperate to make the move as smooth as possible for everyone. It helped increase our empathy and compassion for how hard this was for each of us. And instead of fights, there were more moments of support for one another. By doing this exercise of ending your evening by telling your partner five things you appreciate them for, you are telling your brain that seeing the good side of them and your joint experience is important. Therefore, the brain and the RAS will continue to look for more positive things to add to the list the next day. Another side note, if you have trouble getting a good night's sleep, spending time in gratitude before you go to bed, they have found can actually help improve your sleep. Now, I don't want to belittle the hard stuff. Life can be hard. And definitely, if someone is not treating you right, that's not okay. And this exercise is not meant to fix a highly dysfunctional or abusive relationship. However, if you have a relationship that needs a boost and you want to really feel the depths of what's possible, happiness and love-wise, this is an excellent place to start. Bottom line is that a lot of us are not really experiencing life to the fullest. We aren't really connecting to our loved ones like we want to. And learning how to work with the RAS can be one of the keys to bringing more gratitude, joy, ease, abundance, and love into your life. If this is something you want to explore, here are five ways to see how you can influence your experience, giving your RAS the important job of shifting its focus to the more positive side of life. Number one, gratitude list. If you have been resistant, please let this be the day that you decide to give it a try. There have been studies done showing that spending just 15 minutes a day jotting a few grateful sentiments down before bed can help many sleep better and longer. Gratitude also helps with decreasing toxic emotions, improves your physical health, decreases stress, can improve your relationships, and so much more. There is a link in the show notes to a great article on the seven benefits of gratitude if you want to read more. Number two. Set an intention before you go into your next activity, such as your next meeting, picking up the kids, or sitting down in the evening with your spouse. Think of how you want to show up. Ask yourself, what would I like to say? How would I like to feel? And so on. The more descriptive and vivid you can make this intention, the easier it will be to have the experience you are hoping for. Number three, Set an alarm on your phone to go off at key times throughout the day that ask you a question such as, what am I grateful for in this moment? What can I get excited about today? Do you see how blessed you are? 
Then when your alarm goes off and you read the question, pause and answer it. Notice if there is a shift in your demeanor when you do so. Number four, create a feel-good folder. This can be done with a physical folder or electronic folder, such as a photo album on your phone. It can include thank you notes you have received, pictures of amazing moments, or loved ones that you cherish in your life. Consider either scheduling a time to look at these throughout your day or go to them if you're having a hard day and need a boost of motivation. And our final one for today, number five, although there are lots more ways you can play with this, but for number five, start to notice your thoughts. And for each negative one that you have more than once, see if you can replace it with a positive one. Here's an example of one of mine. For years, I've become sad when I think of the mountains. I miss them. I grew up near them. And now I live very far away from them. And sometimes on my harder days, anger or resentment would creep up when I would think of them. The anger and the resentment would come despite it being very beautiful where I live and having an amazing community around us. It seemed no matter what I tried, I would still get sad and frustrated. However, with the help of a coach, I've switched that narrative from being angry and sad and longing for the mountains to think to myself that every time I think of the mountains, I realize that just imagining them heals me. This wasn't a one and done exercise. And in the beginning, I would forget to switch the narrative or not quite feel like it was true. But with practice, I was able to rewire the narrative and the feelings associated with the thought. I still would love to live near the mountains again. But now, instead of spiraling into sadness or frustration when I see mountains or talk about them with friends, I have turned my longing to be in the mountains into an opportunity to feel at peace and to feel beauty. Now, this may sound a little silly or trivial, but if you understand anything about what stress and dissatisfied thoughts do to your health, your body, and your mood, you'll understand that this shift in thoughts can make a big difference in your day. Not to mention that it was not a far stretch to turn my longing for the mountains into frustration, which then could get turned on my husband, blaming him for steering our life in a direction that did not have us back in a place with mountains at all which by the way is not true, not in the slightest. Besides having little control of where the military sent us most of the time, we have actually made every decision together with lots of consideration. But you can see how I could choose to live in sadness and resentment that I'm where I am, or I could choose to see what an amazing life we had created together. And thinking about the mountains as a source of healing makes it all that much easier. I could go on and on with other ways to shift your reality but I hope this was helpful for now. To recap, remember that our negativity bias makes it easier for us to notice and remember the challenges, and it takes intentional effort to steer our daily experience to be a more positive one. Our RES can help us with this if we bring in practices such as gratitude, pausing to reflect what is going well in our life, setting an intention for how we want to show up or feel in certain situations before they happen, and working towards first noticing our internal conversation, then working towards shifting that narrative. Bottom line is that we have an amazing capacity to influence how we experience our life. If you choose just one of these to try and then pay attention to what may unfold, I hope you will see firsthand how you can change your experience in your life for the better. So I ask, will you give one of these a try? 
Are you ready to see if you can shift your experience? I sure hope so. Thank you for joining me today on Striving from Stillness. If you found value in this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review it on Apple Podcast or simply share with a friend. It helps the podcast grow so more people can find it and it won't take you long. I sincerely appreciate your support from the bottom of my heart. I hope you'll join me again as we explore how to be productive, successful, and happy from a place of peace. I believe if you found this podcast, there is something wonderful tugging on your heart that will make this world a better place. I hope I can support you on your journey to get your work and your gift out into the world so you can make the impact and difference you were born to make.